to the EDBC podcast. I'm Eric Dobrats. He's Brian Coleman. We got a little uh, special uh, midweek drop here for you, Brian. Brian organized a little meeting with our favorite uh, Newsday writer, Bob Glauber, who's been covering the NFL for a million years, and he gave us some great insight about the NFL draft uh, when it comes to the Giants and the Jets. And Brian, you're going to hear in this interview, he gives the Jets big scores like everyone else, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I want to talk to Bob. He's been covering New York football since the 80s. And Last week was sort of a high a high mark for New York football fans for the first time in quite a few years. They seems like had they had something to celebrate. So Bob was able to sort of just give his perspective on that, knowing both organizations for as as well as he does, and sort of give a breakdown as to where where they might be headed. All right. Well, without further ado, we'll uh, bring in the great Bob Glover. All right. Well, Bob, let's uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, listen, when you're a bad football team like the Jets and Giants have been the last couple of years, you're going to have high draft picks. And did they make the most of it? Let's start with the Giants and your overall thoughts about uh, how the new regime did in their first draft. I think they did well. And just a note on that idea of like, you know, that you get high draft picks um, because you stink. Um, I, I relate to Bengals fans like never before. This is pre Super Bowl Bengals fans because, you know, we say, well, at least they got the draft. They got high draft. no, it's it sucks being a fan. I'm not not a fan, but I'm a writer. But. I, I can relate to it. It sucks. It's terrible. You got to go through all that crap during a regular season to get a high draft pick. And then it's never a guarantee. A long way of answering. I do think the giants did well in, um, in what they did. You know, they addressed two needs in tackle and pass rusher. Evan Neal seems to be a very, very clean prospect, just as far as the measurables, the passion for football, the great teammate. He's durable. He missed one game at Alabama only because of the COVID um, and, and then Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be an interesting guy. He's got all the, the talent, uh, and he's got this charisma about him that he wants to show. Now, that's fine, right. but if you're going to show charisma in New York, you're going to, you're going to need to, to really get the thing done in up. a very meaningful way and a very impactful way. So he's set himself up now for you know, uh, an interesting and very challenging career. Yeah. And Bob, I want to just stay on the, the Thibodeau pick there for a little bit there uh, and about this new regime. I told Eric this, I think last week on the air, I had read something in an interview or heard an interview with Dane Brugler, who's the guru, the draft guru over at the athletic. And they were asking about Thibodeau and he said, you know, just know this about Kayvon when he comes in for an interview, you need two chairs, one for him and one for his ego. And so I thought, okay, that kind of makes sense, I guess. I, that's a good picture. And so what dawned on me when they drafted him, they being the Giants, especially when they, you know, they took, I guess they rolled the dice a little bit that maybe they wouldn't be able to get a tackle at seven. But I, I and you know better than anybody because you've been covering the Giants for years. I get the impression that if Dave Gettleman or some prior regimes were here, they're not drafting this guy. Am I wrong? Or is that, or is this just a new philosophy that we're starting to see get, uh, take place over there? No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think that Dave Gettleman was a, a more conservative, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a more conservative guy in terms of that. Um, he he was there when Odell Beckham was there. He inherited Odell right. Beckham and he traded him. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I think you can connect the dots on that. Um, you want like Dave Gettleman often talked of having adults in the room. Yeah. You know. That's fine as far as your coach or an executive, but you know, football players are not adults. And I say that in a very 
proud way, uh, like and and appreciative way. It's it's a kid's game, and it is you know, your personality of being a good teammate. It's it's fine. That's good. It's important. But if you're not good, it doesn't matter. So yeah. you got to make plays on a football field, and that's when you're going to be the best teammate. So Gettleman, listen, Gettleman committed roster malpractice. Yeah. Malfeasance, right? It was just bad. And he left that team in such a bad way, not only in terms of a, a you know depleted talent uh, pool on the roster, but the salary cap. Mm-hmm. That salary cap, if you're coming off a Super Bowl win and you got in the thousands of dollars left in salary cap room, all right, I get it. You got to make some changes. They're coming off four and 13. They were the worst team in football by the end of the season. Even Jacksonville beat Buffalo yep. by the end. The Giants were the worst team in football. So, yeah. um, you know, Gettleman probably would not have drafted Thibodeau. He probably would have gotten, you know, a, like what he considered a safer pick. And listen, the ego thing might get in the way. You can't discount that. It's a big town. And, you know, people say, well, look at LT. You know, LT had had problems. He was a problem person just in terms of his addiction. But he did not come to the Giants with this, hey, I'm going to be a star mentality. He came to the Giants as a guy who felt he needed to prove himself, had a tremendous rookie season, and was a great player. Then stardom, be, be, you know, it, it came upon him. And he embraced it in his own way. And, you know, he didn't shy from it. But it's not like, you know, Thibodeau's coming in here. I say, hey, man, I'm going to be a star. I, I I want this. Great. That's fine. But, but you got you to gotta live up to it. I yeah, had one, one broadcaster say they didn't like the way he walked up to the to Roger Goodell when he was drafted, that his walk up was a little too much, which I thought was I a little it. bit. Oh, I mean, come on. Uh, you know? I don't but like hey, the cut of his chip. Yeah, the 30 for 30 documentary, Bill Parcells said it best. What did Belichick come to him and say, hey, Lawrence Taylor was 10 minutes late for a meeting. And Parcells said, well, why didn't you wait till he got there to start the meeting? I mean, you're going to tolerate you're going to tolerate greatness. So let's hope that greatness gets away with it. Yeah, let's hope that Thibodeau is the next LT, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, yes. It it puts more. I think it puts more pressure on you. It it does. does. If you're talking a big game right out of the gate. You got to play a big game, so he he he's putting pressure on himself, and and that's fine. If you can live up to it, you're you're going to be a star beyond your wildest imagination. If you don't, you you won't. And you know, Strahan, stardom came to him because of his play. He was not a, a a magnetic player and person when he came to the Giants. He was just trying to make the team. Well, coming you know, not coming from like a powerhouse college either. You know, Texas right. Southern is not UCLA. So. Yeah, and Lawrence Taylor was on that team, so he knew. What greatness was, um, and he and he worked at it. So, final note on the Giants: they decide not to pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. That more of a bookkeeping thing. If he's going to have a great year, they want him to do it, and then they'll resign him, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> but well, you know, we also not, if you're not giving a fifth-year option to a quarterback in the National Football League, that quarterback leaves something to be desired. I don't remember the exact number, but I believe they picked up the fifth year option. Talk about money in the Giants money crunch. I believe some, I think, I believe the words two, 22 followed by million were, I think it was around yeah. that. Or they, so that seems to be a lot to commit to Daniel Jones. And I guess, yeah, I mean, so he's on notice if they, and we'll get to this a little bit overall about both teams. Um, 
is there anybody else on notice on this roster? I, I looked at their second round pick, the kid from Wendell Robinson, who I kind of like, where they traded down and down and down to get him, but I didn't know too much about him. And then I read the back, back, back uh, breakdown of him as a player, and I said, oh, so he's Kadarius Tony, who they already have. So is, that, is the last year's first round pick already sort of on notice? I think you're a little on notice. I don't think they made that pick with the idea that Tony wouldn't be there necessarily but it's a convenient fallback position. Um, I think that, you know, Joe Shane made it pretty clear. He was not shopping Kadarius Tony. He was listening. Yes. You're going to listen to everybody. I mean, he said that about Saquon Barkley, which created his first firestorm as GM. So I, listen, Tony, it's up to him. It's totally up to him. He has got talent that is off the charts. I, I'm telling you the, the, the saints game, he, he basically won that game with right. a couple of key third down catches. He got that team in position and he can do that on a consistent basis. He's going to be a star, but in football and in the NFL, it's a lot more than that. You've got to be, you've got to be the good teammate. You've got to be the diligent worker. You've got to, you've got to be a guy who makes the coaches trust you. And right now, I don't think the coaches entirely trust Kadarius Tony. He's got to earn it. And to a degree, it's the same thing with Daniel as Daniel Jones. You know, the guys who hired him and you know brought him in there, they ain't there anymore. Right. So and the, you know, these guys are trying to build a whole new I hate this word. I shouldn't hate it, but it's used so often in sports, a whole new culture, I imagine. And you know, they'll they're not gonna be as lenient with the guy, I'm guessing. Right. So and now let's remember a saying that my mother-in-law told me, actually my father-in-law, uh from Germany. Bob, a new broom sweeps clean. Right, he's a, a new broom sleep sweep. I'm stealing sleep. that. Yeah, I, I like it, that one. And it's like, hey, everything looks good because Joe Shane's getting A's on his report card. Uh, Brian Dable hasn't coached a game yet. Is you know he's he's not you know he's not uh, Joe Judge and he's a nicer guy and he's an offensive mind. Hey, it doesn't matter. You you know this thing will play itself out, and these guys we will get our impressions of these guys. And it's you know, unless they win the Super Bowl, it's not going to be as good as it needs to be. Yep. Well, let's talk about the New York Jets. Uh, everywhere you read, A's across the board for Joe Douglas. They address a whole heck of a lot of needs in the first round. What's your overall thoughts about the New York Jets? Great draft. Great performance by Joe Douglas. And not only in the draft, but in free agency as well. He spent wisely. He filled needs in the secondary. Uh, he got Braxton Berrios back on a on – a, responsible contract that was you know that's a big deal because Perios he's like a, a a playmaker when you need him most right um maybe uh, Julian a, Edelman light let's call him yeah Correct. somebody the quarterback somebody looks like the quarterback already has some trust in which shouldn't be yeah. uh, exactly overlooked. exactly now I think Douglas hit a home run um going back to his trade of both Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams right he got maximum value for two players who are not what they appear to be and right. and not what certainly not what Seattle and Carolina paid for them. So he parlays that now into that other first round pick. He gets three first round pick. He gets back into the first round with Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, terrific fast receiver who can take the top off a of defense um, like Tyreek Hill can, you know, he misses on Tyreek Hill, but he gets Garrett Wilson. A lot cheaper. Uh, and a lot cheaper rookie contract. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, I think, and then, you know, 
uh, the, the second round running back, Brees Hall. Oh, Brees yeah. Hall, yeah, from Iowa State. Yeah. He, he's terrific. Um, and and they and they needed that. So Douglas, excellent job. I wonder if there was any debate um because Eric and I were talking about this before a little while before we went on air about just the offensive line still maybe some question marks. I wonder if there was a debate, especially at three, with either with, with were they definitely Sauce Gardner or was there any sort of internal debate about going offensive tackle there with all those tackles still on the board? I think they like this tackle uh, group a lot. There's what's not to like because it was a deep group and it's a very good group. So, um, but I think they're banking on. Look, Fant had a very good year last year at left tackle, and he's naturally a left tackle. And I think they'll extend him. Um, and he's talking about that. I don't think they got that word out until mm-hmm. Fant let it slip the day before the draft, right? Yeah, right. And so, but that to me was an indication that, okay, they trust this guy and they hope that Becton can come back from the knee injury and be a solid and, and really elite right tackle, which I think can be. There's a little less pressure at the right tackle position. And, and if um, Becton gets himself in physical condition, um, it, it can work. So, a, a little question, but I, I would say far fewer questions than maybe a couple of months ago. Lakin Tomlinson is a really good guard. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker had a really good rookie season. He'll slide over to the right side, and I, I think it'll I think it'll be good. I think this is a well above average offensive line if it's coached right. And it still comes down to the quarterback, much like the Giants, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there is so much pressure on Zach Wilson, but you know he's a guy who. He's got some pizzazz to him. He's a he's a good player. Um, he can be a great player. Will he be a great player? We, obviously, we don't know, but it is really all on him. I do think he's wired okay for that. That's a lot to ask. I don't know that Jones is wired the same way. Jones gets a little tight, and you know he's had to explain. He to, I feel bad for him because he has had to explain losses so much more in his college and pro career than wins, and it's tough. It grinds on you. Um, but Wilson, I think he's he's got the right mentality. He's got the right build. And I think Joe Douglas surrounded him with so much talent. Now, he had a couple of tight ends in free agency, got a tight end, Ruckert, in the, in the draft. So I, it's it's all there for Zach Wilson. If he doesn't take that next step, there's there's going to be a problem. Hey, you mentioned the tight ends. I, when they took Ruckert, who I kind of liked, um, he didn't get, they didn't throw him the ball at Ohio State, but that's because they have, when you have like three great receivers, you don't have to. But like they're loading up on the tight ends to even like, okay, you've got safety valves here. We're going to go get you a home run hitter and we'll get you guys, you're comfortable when, when it's third and six, these guys can get you seven. Absolutely, uh, Brian. It's, it's, it really makes a big difference. Tight end is probably the most underrated and underappreciated uh, position in football, especially, you know, on an offense where a quarterback can use him as that security blanket, the mid range throws the big target. He'll make yards after the catch. I mean, Gronk is the perfect example of that. Right. He can get downfield, but um, it's, it's huge. And now they got three of them um, who are very viable tight ends. So I think it's good news uh, for Zach Wilson that he has that. All right, in the last couple minutes here, I want to hit a couple things around the league with you real quick. Just as far as the draft goes, do you remember when Las Vegas was taboo in the NFL? Remember that? When yes, Vegas was, couldn't even say the words. The drafts there. Yes, yes, I do. And I remember at the press conference when legalized gambling had, had been affirmed by the Supreme Court. And I, I don't know where we were. It was a league meeting. And I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, I'm taking notes. Man, 
Pete Rosell is spinning in his grave. I was thinking the same thing. Right? And they brought him back today. If they brought him back today, he dropped out again. What's going on here? It's unbelievable. You know, I've so been conditioned as a writer and as a person over time. Um, I don't gamble. I I, I consider it a blessing that I don't have that, you know, need. Right. Um, I appreciate it. If you want to do it, that's fine. It's your money. But Pete Rosell, it was just such anathema to the NFL. And they have done a good job in terms of marrying the the league and and you know gambling and legalized gambling and then they suspend the player Ridley for a year um over gambling so they make that statement and it's convenient so they can say one thing but man it's it's really a it's a it's kind of a treacherous line that they're they're flirting with there you don't want the worry they'll worry they'll deal with it and they have to deal with it yeah, and in the meantime, they count their billions from it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 10, million, 10 million people watched the draft, uh, maybe lacked a little bit of star power, but the NFL still is king when it comes to this stuff, right? It's unbelievable. The most, uh, the biggest made-up event in the history of pro sports. <laughs> you know, I'm, the, I, I'm guilty, too. I'm watching the whole thing. Of course. Quite, quite frankly, the TD coverage has gotten antiquated because, you know, you know, Twitter's got it 10 minutes before the before uh, Rich Eisen announces the pick. Like, Rich, you're three picks behind, dude. <laughs> no. Get on Twitter. <laughs> Excuse me. I started uh, 1986 was my first draft. It was on a Tuesday at the Marriott Marquis in yeah. New York City. They did 12 rounds in one day. I remember day. the 12 rounds, yep. yep. <laughs> All those Jets fans booing whoever they picked. Yeah. Oh, wow. What about the uh, – let's talk about the – I don't know if you were interested in this, uh, the, the whole, the TV packages, the broadcasting talent, getting all this money. Is there enough inventory for all these games on all these different nights? Now we're talking about Christmas day games. Bob. Yeah. Uh, actually, I do think there is. Um, I think the NFL has been able to satisfy the endless uh, quest and quench the endless thirst for fans uh, for giving them games. You know, they've expanded the playoff field. This is one of the best playoff years going. Yeah. Um, the interest is at an all time high. I do think they have enough inventory. I would hate to see them continue to expand. I think 32 is a good number. 17 games is still a little weird. It They'll is probably weird. go to 18 at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think they have enough to, to go around. It just, yeah, I mean, now the way the announcers are getting paid, I mean, I love I love Romo, I love Aikman, but I don't know that, you know, they're making 40 million bucks or wherever it is. Maybe I'm off there, but it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, you're right. If, if the numbers are there, they're going to keep, it's not saturation if people are going to watch. And you're talking about Christmas Day. I guarantee you that uh, the day that it was announced, uh, like a bunch of people were throwing things in the NBA offices. Yes, absolutely. There's a little money going down the drain there because everybody's going to. Not tank, but it'll it'll be less. It'll be a little less. The last thing before we let you go, I, I I we we talked to you before the Super Bowl. We talked about your great book, The Forgotten First, and I was so happy for you at the Super Bowl when they talked about those guys. And I I think you deserve some credit for kind of bringing this issue to the forefront and those men that were forgotten in the book you wrote and how the Super Bowl they recognized them. How did that make you feel when you saw all that? Um. I cried from the suite where the family members of the players were supposed to be. They weren't there. I wanted to meet them there. I heard that the NFL was going to recognize the, the families and, and the players. Amazing. I'm, I, go, I want to go down to the suite. I had met with them the day before the Super Bowl to thank them for sharing their stories. And I'm in their, their box where they're guests of the NFL. And they're not there. 
40 minutes before the game, I'm like, can't believe they're missing. They're going to miss this. And then I look down and it's, and it's done on the field. And I'm, I, I literally started crying uh, because, you know, look, I did put a lot of passion into that book and, and it is a meaningful story. And then my wife texts me uh, when I'm there, just getting all emotional. And she says, holy blank, holy blank. I go, <laughs> what? I go, what? She goes, it's on television. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. So it was, it was amazing. And yeah. thank God they got recognized because they, they, they certainly deserve it. Well, yeah, I'll pump your ego up a little bit. I mean, you know, the NBA talks to talk a lot with the messages on the helmets and the end zone, but you know, maybe your book in a little way may push them to to walk the walk. And uh, you know, you and I had some correspondence. I know we're wrapping up here. We're up against the clock. You and I had some correspondence about uh, my father passed away in February. Uh, I had given him your your book as a Christmas present. It turned out to be the last book he ever read. And this is a guy who loved to read history, but not a lot of sports history, but he really enjoyed your book, gave a copy of it to a friend of his. And long story short, that's always going to be a nice memory for me. And again, another way your book is impacting people that maybe you don't even know about. Uh, so I just, like I said, I said this off the air and I said to see about it, but, but again, thanks. Thank you for giving me a nice memory, especially at a tough time. So, well, Brian, I, I, my condolences about your dad. He gave, gave us a great son. Thank you. And uh, the you're sharing that to me for just made. I mean, that's that's kind of what it's all about. Yep. So I, I certainly appreciate that. It's very touching. And uh, again, my my deepest condolences. Well, I appreciate that. But I'm not going to I do want to I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy because I'm going to ask you before we wrap up. I have one quick question, a prediction. Are any of these New York teams, either the Jets, the Giants playing meaningful games after Thanksgiving? By meaningful, I mean, we're not playing for draft position. Yeah, uh, the Jets, not the Giants. Okay. Bob, thanks for taking a few minutes. It's always great to catch up with you, and we hope we can do it again real soon. Bob, thanks again. Yeah. Sounds great, guys. Anytime. Really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Take care. Well, listen, we told you he would deliver, and he did. He is always a fascinating interview. Uh, again, a great author, a, a writer for Newsday. He's written a couple of great books, as Brian mentioned there. Uh, thanks for hooking us up with that again, Brian. Yeah. Um, just a great interview, a little emotional for me at the end, but emotional in a, uh, a good way. So we'll hope to have him on again real soon as the, uh, so maybe we'll do him for a little NFL preview come August. September. Yeah, let's do it. But all right. Before we wrap things up, Brian's got to read this. Brian. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about it every week and this week is no different. Allswell believes the power of a good night's sleep. The folks at Allswell back it up with their signature mattress designed to make good sleep accessible to all. The Allswell features hybrid mattress technology. It combines the best of both worlds, memory foam and individually wrapped coils for a winning blend of comfort and support. The goal was an affordable mattress that doesn't sacrifice quality or luxury. The result, the Allswell Queen mattress starts as low as 345 bucks. 345 bucks for a queen size mattress. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. I don't know if you've heard that. And Allswell wants to help you celebrate mom this year. Now through May 9th, use the promo code THANKSMOM. That's THANKSMOM, all one word, for 20% off mattresses and 25% off all bed, bath, and spa products. So why not treat mom to a little, you know, a little spa products, some bed, bath, and, you know, what, what have you, whatever mom likes. Save a little money. Use that promo code. And again, that's thanks, mom. All one word. Thanks, mom. Now through May 9th. So sleep well and save well with all as well. All right. Yeah. Mother's Day coming up. Take care of those moms out there, the wives, the sisters, uh, aunts, whatever you got to do. Mother's Day is a big, 
a big holiday here, Brian. We got yeah, and you know, I was we were talking to Bob, and like I was like, oh, I realized after you know, after we talked to him, like we should probably. For, I think we forgot to mention his book's name. So again, the book we were referencing at the end of our interview about the integration of the NFL back in the day. It's called for again, if mom, hey, if mom loves football and loves herself hey. some football history, why not? Yeah, Bob's book is called The Forgotten First, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marion Motley, Bill Willis, and The Breaking of the NFL Color Barrier. As I mentioned, I read this book. My dad read this book uh, a couple months ago before we passed. Really good book. If you love football, you love history, or you know somebody who does, makes a great gift. And again, just want to give Bob a little plug there on his book. Yeah, go out and buy the damn book, will you, Mama? Yeah, please. Move some product. Help move some product. All right, that'll do it for this uh, special edition of the EDBC podcast. I'm Eric. He's Brian. Until the next time, see ya. See ya.